0: Welcome to another episode of Supernatural George. I'm Mittens, and today we are going to be talking about Season 6, Episode 5, Live Free or Twi Hard. And I don't know if everybody can hear it, but my cat is literally sitting directly behind my head purring, and it's (laughs) screwing up my recording. (laughs) But there's no way in hell I'm dislodging him, so we'll deal. Written by Brett Matthews his first of three season six episodes before he ironically moved over to the vampire diaries and then show ran legacies so apparently he was ready to try hard anyway it was also directed by rod hardy and this is his only episode of supernatural just when we think we're getting to the meaty myth arc stuff of season six we take a hard detour into twilight But like every other episode in season six, it all makes so much more sense on a rewatch. Because of course we know the monsters are all acting out of character as the biggest running clue through the whole season as to what's really going on. Along with Sam and his as yet unrevealed lack of a soul, but we're also being pointed with like flashing neon signs in this episode about that. And all of that does get a good hard shove forward in this episode. So it's a lot less fluff and filler than it looks on a first watch. Plus, we learn some things about Samuel while we're all growing more and more concerned for Sam. And Dean completely nukes any chance at a continuing relationship with Lisa and Ben by once again feeling strangely compelled to see her in person at a really bad time. Season six just keeps churning along and so without really even bothering to talk about anything else I'm just going to dive right in. I mean yeah this episode is obviously way more than it looks on the surface on our first watch but it's also what it is under the surface is really straightforward. <laughs> it's not it's not like hidden deep dark secrets and Stuff that you have to, like, tease out with a fine tooth. No, it's just, like, literally right there. (laughs) The, The noir of season six is only, like, one layer of inky blackness over, like, everything written out straightforwardly plain as day. So, that makes it really easy to talk about without having to delve into super heavy meta stuff. So, with that, let's dive directly into the then segment. Which begins with Gordon Walker having been turned into a vampire, along with a quick refresher course of how vampires are turned, that it's not the bite that gets you, it's ingesting the vampire's blood. Followed by a few of the symptoms of being a vampire, that lights are too bright, the sun hurts your skin, and you get so hungry for human blood. We then cut back to what Sam and Dean are up to, that Sam's been hunting with the Campbells for a year, and from the season premiere episode, Samuel telling Dean to stick around, that he'll show him tricks that his daddy never even dreamed of, when Samuel presented them with a cure for gin poison. We also get a quick shot of Lenore the vampire who resisted the urge to drink human blood and instead subsisted on animal blood, very Twilighty of her. And then Dean's relationship with Lisa and Ben and where we last left that Lisa suggested that Dean go hunt and visit them when he can just come in one piece. Dean's like you really think we could make that work because we know in this episode he's going to go back there and kind of blow that all to hell because he's not going to be in one piece. And then we wrap up the then segment with Dean asking Sam if he's okay. Because Dean is concerned about Sam's behavior and reactions to things. He knows that Sam is not quite right. And we very clearly see how different and not right Sam is. And then we cut to now. We're in a goth bar somewhere and a bartender checks a woman's ID. And her name on the ID is Emily Fang. Haha, ha, in case you hadn't realized that this is a vampire episode, Emily Fang. But as she puts the card away, you can very clearly tell it's a completely different person than's pictured on the license. She's using a stolen ID. She downs her drink and goes off looking for somebody and finds him by dropping her phone and he catches it. They're reliving Twilight in like nine different ways here. <laughs> she drops her Apple phone into his hand. Uh, I don't know if anybody's seen Twilight, but probably. So y'all probably get all the references. I also appreciate Bella Lugosi's Dead playing over the background of their little meeting. And (laughs) singing just, I'm dead, I'm dead, over her face as she's smiling that the dude showed up for her. We learn the girl's name is Kristen. We'll find out the dude's name is Robert, or that's the name he's using. And she's awkward, flannel clad, poetry writing, and is basically reenacting the plot of Twilight again. She gets a paper cut reaching for her poetry book. And the poor vampire has to look away, like all tormented, like, no, I'm not going to drink your blood. But she does. She licks her own finger. It's all too much for the vampire. He turns away and is like, I have to go. And then just runs out on her. It seems like a different night. She's wearing a different shirt anyway. She's back at the same bar and Robert comes back and is all emo and broody like I shouldn't have come back. We can't be together. You know, And she's like, oh, there has to be a way. It's also very melodramatic. He tells her he's done bad things and that she should run. And she's like, no, I can make my own decisions. I'm 17. Like you're so grown up, child. Oh, my God. And he's like, I have to show you something. He gets real dramatic and looks all around, makes sure nobody's watching. Then very carefully lifts his lip and shows her just a little taste of his fangs that we know he's got. And she's like, Oh, I knew it. He's like, Are you scared? He tells her she should be scared. And she's like, I'm just scared. I'm dreaming and I'm going to wake up. She reaches up to her neck and is like, Is it going to hurt? And he's like, I could never hurt. You and tells her to come with him that he's going to show her his world. And then we cut to a dark alley. But that's pretty big step down from what I think she was expecting. She's looking more and more uncomfortable as they approach the door where he says, Okay, this is it. She was expecting a mansion or something. I don't know. But then another person jumps out at her and terrifies her, and she realizes, wait, maybe this was a mistake. But it's too late. Robert tells her, This is what you wanted, isn't it? And he smiles at her with his full mouth of fangs. And the other vampire grabs her. And we cut to the title card as she screams. So that's quite a little system they've got going on luring in young girls through some sort of weird twilight fantasy. We've seen a number of vampires over the years who were trying to rebuild their nests or their families. The One from the cold open with Lucy the vampire, who was turned thinking she was just getting high, taking a drug. And going all the way back to just being turned by force from season one, the first time we were introduced to vampires. So this is a real evolution in organization on the vampire's part. They're like taking advantage of pop culture and vulnerable young women. And I guess when they turn the deal around and go after the young men, they lure them in through similar premises or just the lure of a young, attractive woman who entices them into her life. But it works scarily well. And I'm surprised no vampire had ever tried capitalizing on the mystique of vampires to lure in new victims. After the title card, we open on the exterior of the Limestone Illinois Police Department, where Dean is waiting outside. He's on the phone with Lisa, telling her that he's not that far from where she is, asking if he could come by and see her when he was finished wrapping up this case. He'll make sure he's not followed and take side streets and she just tells him to shut up and just get there safely because the long distance thing is getting old. She misses him and he's eager to see her again. And as they're wrapping up their conversation, Sam comes out of the police department with a handful of paperwork. Dean is just smiling quietly to himself as he shoves his phone in his pocket and Sam comes up to him and is like, hey, what are you so stoked about? And it's like, Dean's just got like a content smile on his face. He's going back to see Lisa. He's happy about that. Sam has trouble interpreting human emotions. Dean's not stoked. He's just pleased. There's difference. Dean tells him it's nothing, and Sam jumps right into describing the case that they're on. Six girls have gone missing in the last seven days which is more disappearances than this little town's police department has seen in a year. Sam tells Dean that all the missing girls are about the same age, and Dean's looking through their missing flyers, and he's like, and they're all cute. Sam's like, what? I mean, they, they are. They're all cute. Sam then says that now there might be seven because another missing girl was reported that day. They go to the house of the missing girl, Christian we saw what happened to her in the cold open. Sam and Dean talk to her dad that she's a good kid, just maybe a little naive, and they go upstairs to check out her room. As they're going up the stairs, Dean mutters to Sam, what, what do you think he was talking about? Girls are hard and all that. Sam's like, drugs? And no, it's so much worse, as Dean says. She's into vampires. I just need to say it. Here, because I will forget later on, that Sam questioning that maybe it was drugs that she was into when he knows that they're chasing vampires, because Samuel will later tell him in conversation something about like this is what they've done in the last four towns or something, and that Sam had been kind of aware, low key, of everything that Samuel had been tracking. And all the vampire related stuff. It just adds to the knowledge that something is super seriously wrong with Sam here. That he's trying to play a bit naive when he knows better. And Dean doesn't. Kind of one of the themes of season six, isn't it? Dean's like, these aren't vampires. These are douchebags. Looking around at all the posters on her wall of these broody, attractive young men from her vampire movies. Because Dean knows very well that that is not at all what real vampires are like. Sam finds her laptop buried under her bed pillows. And while he's trying to hack in, he opens the laptop and it makes a screaming noise. And a close-up of a broody-looking dude fills the screen. And Dean frowns at him like, oh, what is he so bummed out about? Like, what reason does he have to look so disgruntled with the universe? He's an attractive man, I guess. Who knows what Dean's reasoning is. But then he looks over at the desk. There's a cover of one of her novels. And it's a picture of a guy watching a girl sleep. Dean's like, man, how is that not rapey? And I'm thinking to myself, dude, do you know that Cass watches over you (laughs) while you're sleeping? But also, yes, thank you for pointing that out. That That is freaking creepy. At least in the context of Twilight. Thank you. Sam brushes Dean away, telling him he has to concentrate. He's got to try and hack her password. He first tries Dracula. And I'm like, dude, do you see Dracula anywhere on these walls? Dean is reading aloud from one of the books just to mock it. Sam has several more failed attempts at logging in because it screams every time he enters it wrong. Dean finally calls out, yeah, try Lautner. Sam starts typing it and he's like, wait, he's the werewolf. And then he changes it and is like, how many T's in patent? And then he realizes he got in. Sam also gets in a jibe at Dean for, how did you even know who Taylor Lautner is? Dean's like, oh, the kid's everywhere. So I guess Twilight's a thing even in their universe. Or at least something along those lines. And they find her long history of messages with the dude we saw her with at the bar. The call of your blood is too strong. Sam's like well this could be our actual vampire what a way to lure in victims. Dean has a hard time believing that this could be a real vampire luring them in. He's like but well, this is just going to be a standard issue perv taking these girls not an actual vampire that's so out of character for how any vampire they'd ever met behaved. I mean, most vampires don't go after higher profile victims like taking seven young women in a week from the same town who will be noticed missing by their parents and families and schools. And as they go to check out the Black Rose Bar where Kristen was going to meet this dude, we cut to an alleyway later that night where a car cuts off a bloodmobile mobile and steals coolers full of blood and then rips out the driver's throat. So if the vampires are taking these young women as food, why are they robbing bloodmobiles too? They took a lot of blood there. What the hell is up with this? It's not so often that we've seen vampires acting so brazen and in ways that would normally get them caught by hunters or at least draw the attention of hunters. The next morning... Sam is on the phone with Samuel in a fenced-out razor wire-topped parking lot at the Night Owl Hotel while Dean loads luggage into the car. Samuel is telling them that it's definitely the vampires because this is the fourth town where they've done the same thing. Bunch of kids go missing and then they knock over a blood mobile. Apparently them killing the driver and ripping out his throat is a new touch. And Sam points out the same thing I did about if they're taking all these people, why are they also having to steal blood? Aren't the people juice boxes for them? Samuel just tells Sam to figure it out. Sam and Dean are just sitting at the bar at the Black Rose and Dean feels a little bit nostalgic for this. He's like, yes, when's the last time the two of us just sat down and had a beer together? And Sam has no attention for that because he's already noticed several potential targets for them that may be their guy. Dudes who are hitting on women across the bar. There's three of them. And they're like, well, there's only two of us. So how are we going to keep eyes on all three? And then one dude turns around and kisses another dude who's walked up. It's clear that he is not hitting on the woman. He's just standing there waiting for his boyfriend to show up. Dean's eyes practically bug out of his head. We see no reaction from Sam. We just see Dean's reaction to two dudes kissing. And his response is basically just like, well, I guess there are just two of them. The two dudes who are still actively hitting on young women. One couple starts walking out of the bar and Dean tells Sam, okay, you stay with him. I'm going to follow this guy. As the second dude begins walking towards the back of the bar, Sam follows him. Dean follows the other couple outside. And I have no idea why they singled out just these two dudes when there's so many other dudes in this bar that could be vampires and are just better at hiding it. I don't know what made these two particular ones stand out to them other than they just happened to be sitting at the bar talking to women at the time. But Sam follows the guy downstairs through a maze of rooms where people are just sort of loitering around and into what looks like some sort of storage area. But their instincts were correct. As the door swings shut behind Sam in this really awful, bizarre storage room, the vampire jumps out, fangs bared, and goes to attack Sam. Sam just turns around and casually slices off the guy's head. Well, I guess we won't be asking him any questions, will we, Sam? Bit hasty there with the blade, boy. And Sam shows absolutely no emotion over this. He just looks down at his blade like, oh, now it's got blood on it. Damn it. Like it's inconvenient or something. We cut outside to the couple who's sort of giggling as they go around the corner into an alley. The guy presses her up against the wall and they're making out and he's like, you ready to join me in eternity? And she's like oh definitely and she bears her neck at him and he goes in like he's gonna bite her. And Dean shows up pulls him off of her tells the girl to run and then slams the guy up against the wall. Dean tells the guy to open his mouth as the guy's like hey what the hell? And the guy opens his mouth and he's got like what we think of in our world as standard vampire fangs. You know long pointy eye teeth and Dean's like take those out. As Dean's, like, grossed out at the guy basically pulling out a set of false teeth, he's like, are you wearing glitter? The guy's like, I only do it to get laid, man. Dean's like, does that work? Yes, apparently it does. Works well enough that the vampires are using it as their own little tactic. But Dean realizes that this is not a vampire. It's just some poor dude whose night he ruined. (laughs) He lets the guy go, and he's walking back toward the bar when... From deep in the shadows, somebody goes, you're pretty. And Dean actually stops walking and turns around. He's like, excuse me? And a guy comes out of the shadows and repeats it. You're pretty. Dean's like, looks mildly flattered, but also random dude approaches him in an alleyway when he's on a vampire case. Hmm. He tells the guy he doesn't play for his team and then tries to walk away. But the guy grabs Dean and flings him halfway down the alley across a dumpster. And into a pile of trash. And Dean is cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs at this point, And like blurred vision. He looks up and he can only see the guy walking toward him underneath the black rose sign. He's clearly injured from being tossed halfway down the alley. He struggles to get to his feet. But in the trash finds a pipe and takes a swing at the vampire with it. But Dean has clearly realized that yes, this is the vampire. And as he's beating the crap out of Dean... Sam comes running around the corner, sees what's going on, and then just stops and watches like he's fascinated by this. As Dean is struggling and this vampire is forcing his blood into Dean's mouth, Sam just stands there like a creepy, weird smile on his face. Once he's sure that Dean's gotten a dose of that blood, he yells out, No! pulls out his machete and makes a charge at the vampire but lets him get away. And The vampire just climbs a wall like Spider-Man and escapes while laughing. It's like Sam could have had like three different opportunities to kill that vampire right there and then and he took none of them and deliberately let Dean get turned. I also want to pause here for a moment to address what boris the vampire targeted dean for what did he see did he see a hunter looking for a vampire and think perfect i need to get this guy did he see just some guy up close and personal with another guy in an alley and think ah yes this attractive man just lost his date i will try and scoop him up for myself instead because that's honestly, the only thing that really makes sense, because later on, he buys, or at least pretends to buy Dean's line about not knowing what a hunter is. So what did Boris assume Dean was doing with that guy when he called out to him with the lure, hey, you're pretty, as well as Dean's reaction and comment, I don't play for your team. Dean didn't obviously know that this was the vampire immediately, because Dean didn't play for the vampire team here, you know what I mean? Until he was. So many people have used this to say, obviously Dean's straight because of lines like this. Well, first of all, this is an antagonist he's talking to. This is not him talking to somebody in a casual, comfortable situation. This is somebody who's approached him in a dark alley at night when they know that there are monsters on the loose. And Dean is on the job. He doesn't screw around when he's on an active hunt, when he knows Sam is also somewhere facing off against what might potentially be a monster. What's the quickest way to get out of that situation, to get back into the bar, to report to Sam that he had the wrong guy, and see if Sam needs backup, just as Sam ran outside after he dispatched his vampire, to see if Dean needed backup even if Sam did not actually provide any backup. Dean would have. So how to extricate himself from that situation in the quickest way possible, after whatever Boris had just witnessed with him and the other dude? I don't play for your team. He was ready to walk right away, but Boris persisted and Dean was suspicious. And then we saw everything else that unfolded, but that also plays to later on in the episode when Boris makes other comments to Dean about wanting the private tour or whatever he really does think dean does play for his team and his assumption there at the end had to be that he was leaving dean there to die as he's being chased off by a hunter and the guy he just tried to turn is too injured to move what would the hunter do if couldn't catch boris he'd kill the poor brand new vampire on the floor in front of him because that's just what hunters do right And he's now the one standing under the black rose sign as Dean calls out and draws his attention back. And Sam's face immediately changes. I mean, kudos to Jared, who now looks shocked and horrified at at what's become of his brother. We then go back to their motel room where Sam is shutting the drapes, clearly at Dean's request, because Dean is just his head is pounding. He's like, what is that sound? And Sam's like, what sound? But we can hear what Dean hears. And it's like a police siren outside. It's the neighbors in the next room watching television. It's like the buzzing of lights. It's just everything is too much for Dean. And over it all, we hear this heartbeat. Dean can hear Sam's heartbeat. Dean, though, has resigned himself that he's going to die because he's going to turn into a vampire and then Sam will have to kill him. He can hear a train in the distance. He can hear the tick, tick of the clock, but it sounds like it may as well be a hammer hitting him in the head. And all the while, Sam is trying to convince him that, no, Dean, you're not going to die. We're going to fix this. They've called Samuel for help and Dean is trying to convince Sam as he goes around like ripping everything electrical out of the walls and smashing lamps and stuff. He's like, Samuel is going to kill me when he gets here because Dean is going to ask him to because Sam won't do it. He's clearly already asked Sam to please kill him, put him out of his misery. And Sam is just telling him to hold off. And Dean closes in on Sam. He's starting to put things together. He's like, why aren't you freaked out? And Sam's like, of course I'm freaked out. And Dean's like, no, you're not. Your heartbeat is steady and slow. We hear that heartbeat remain slow and steady as Sam is like, shit, that's the thing I didn't think of. If Dean can hear my heartbeat, he's going to know that I'm just cool as a cucumber here. He puts it on as best he can. Samuel is going to know what to do. He's going to know how to fix this. Dean's biggest concern, though, is that he's going to hurt somebody. And he doesn't want to do that. And while Dean is being tormented by these thoughts, Sam's still cool as a cucumber, asking him how it feels. Dean's like, what, now you want to talk about my feelings? And Sam's like, no, just physically. And I think that's kind of ironic because in next week's episode, when they keep asking Sam how he feels, and he'll give a physical sensation and not an emotional one because he can't comprehend an emotional one right now. That's part of his thing all season long. He hasn't been touchy-feely about anything, and he's usually the one who always wants Dean to open up or express feelings and... Sam doesn't have any to express, and he doesn't see that that's like this huge, glaring difference about him. It's not just the physical acting the part, he's not feeling the part of Sam, you know? Dean replies that it feels awful. And then Sam's like, Well, where are you going? And Dean's like, Bathroom. Newsflash, Mr. Wizard Vampires pee. And honestly, that is a newsflash. We didn't know that information before. I mean, we kind of have to assume they must if they're ingesting things it's got to come out sometime but you know <laughs> then again Dean doesn't actually pee he pauses to wash his face and look broodingly into the mirror lifts his lip and sees the very beginnings of his very first fang beginning to appear and that's when reality hits him he thinks his life is officially over now he's never going to get to go back like he was Beginning of this episode to visit Lisa again, to just be able to lay hunting aside for a little while and pretend he's got this like normal family life. That's over now. And he's mourning the loss of all of it because the choice to go back has now been taken from him. Dean turns on the faucet to cover the sound of him escaping out the window. And eventually Sam gets suspicious. Dean's been in there too long, the water just running. And he goes to check on Dean and discovers he's gone. We find where Dean went, though. He really wasn't all that far from Lisa's because he's in her room. Apparently, he snuck out the bathroom window at the motel and snuck in through her bedroom window. Instead of staring creepily at her like the vampire on the cover of the book that he was criticizing earlier, he's looking out the window or through the sheer curtains while Lisa sleeps behind him. He turns around and looks at her and a dog barks in the distance and that must wake her up but then she's startled to see Dean just standing there staring at her. Dean's vision when we get a look through his eyes is kind of hazy and when Lisa realizes it's him and turns on a light there's like a sizzling sound that accompanies it and Dean of course can't look at it directly it's too bright for him. Lisa's surprised to see him she wasn't expecting him for a few days Dean is unable to like just come right out and tell her what's going on which of course frightens Lisa even more. Dean sits down on the bed beside her and Lisa can tell immediately that something is wrong and when something is wrong with Dean something is probably very dangerously wrong. She's going through the risk assessment in her head. What's gone wrong now? And then just like at the end of season five, when he came up to her house out of the blue and gave her a cryptic warning that ended up just terrifying her more than anything else, like selfishly providing himself some comfort and not even think about how this might be affecting her. He tells her, I just wanted to tell you and Ben, thanks for everything. And we see through Dean's eyes again and everything looks blurred around the edges And like Lisa's the only thing in focus. She moves closer to him and is like, you're scaring me, Dean. But it's too close for Dean. He really can't resist the call of her heartbeat and her blood. But he's determined to not hurt her. So he gets up and moves away from her, turns his back on her again. He like rolls his eyes at himself like, oh my god, I'm Pattinson. He's doing all the creepy things that he was mocking those vampires like, And that's him. That is exactly what he's doing to Lisa. He's like, I got to go. You know, he he doesn't want to participate in this scenario any longer. And Lisa's like, but you just can't show up here like this and then just leave without telling me what's going on. She begs for information. Dean tells her that he can't bring this crap home to her. And she's like, what, your work? And he's like, no, my life. It's violent and ugly. And I'm going to die soon. He thinks he's going to leave here and either he's going to off himself or Samuel is going to do it for him. And this is not a sufficient answer for Lisa. She grabs him and is like, just tell me what is going on. And Dean almost loses it. She's too close. And the bloodlust is just starting to hit him. He grabs her by the shoulders, pushes her up against the wall and gets control of himself just enough to turn his back on her again as his fangs fully come in he runs out into the hallway and is just loud enough to wake ben up and ben innocent kid that he is who trusts dean like a parent figure doesn't understand what's going on he's half awake even dean warns him to stay away to stay back and ben doesn't he just keeps walking toward dean and dean basically shoves him probably way harder than he intended away because he does not want to hurt Ben either and then he just runs for it meanwhile back at the motel Samuel has arrived and is complaining to Sam that he can't even keep track of his brother Samuel scolds Sam Sam's like oh I I thought he'd be you know and Samuel reminds him he's not himself right now he's a monster and he's hungry He's prepared to do the right thing, though, and starts unzipping a big bag he brought with him. From across the room, we hear Dean's voice. I told you he'd kill me when he got here. Samuel and Sam both pull out machetes, ready to defend themselves against Dean. And Samuel can only ask, did you feed? Dean kind of brushes it aside, like, what the hell does that matter? I'm a vampire. And Samuel asks again, demands to know if Dean has fed. Dean turns to them, and he's like, you can relax, I didn't drink anyone, and Samuel's like, thank God. Dean's like, but I came close. Takes off his jacket, and is just ready for them to execute him. Dean's like, okay, just do it. And Samuel takes a few steps towards him, and he's like, okay, if you insist, or we could just turn you back. And Dean's like, what? He had no idea that there was any sort of going back for him. And then, a few beats later, Sam's like, what? And Samuel turns to him and looks like, are you serious right now? But Samuel packs that away to deal with later, and he will deal with it later. He's got more important things to do. He tells Dean he hasn't driven all this way to kill him, but to save him. Samuel pulls out his grandfather's journal and explains to Dean Nobody has attempted this cure in a very, very long time, and the side effects are apparently horrifying, but it's supposed to work. Samuel warns Dean that it's on him now, though, because one drink from a person and the cure will no longer work. Samuel describes the items on the list that they need to make the spell, and the trickiest ingredient is the blood of the vampire that turned him. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's not going to be easy. It's going to be hard to find them. How do we track them down? And Dean's like, oh, I know exactly where they are. I can sense them. Samuel's like, what, are you just going to walk right into the nest? And Dean's like, yeah, I'm one of them, aren't I? Sam is like, oh, well, then I'll go with you. I should go with you. And Dean's like, no, dude, you're like a walking hamburger. T- Dean can't show up with a living guy and just w- stroll into vampire headquarters samuel hands dean a syringe of dead man's blood and sends him on his way and the two samuels will follow up behind once they've collected the rest of the ingredients as soon as dean is gone sam starts packing up all their gear and samuel turns to sam and he looks concerned samuel's like what the hell is wrong with you sam and sam's like excuse me samuel tells him "Well, you knew about the cure and Sam just gives innocent face like, what? Samuel tells him, well, we I, we talked about the cure months ago. And Sam just is like, wasn't me. Must have been Christian or something. And it's so unconvincing as a lie. It's like the feeling that is supposed to accompany a lie like that. It's just not up to Sam's usual snuff as an actor. And Samuel gets right to the heart of the matter. He's like, huh, because if you had known, it's almost like you let him get turned. Like, did you do this to your brother deliberately, knowing that there would be a way to save him or not even care if there was or not as some sort of calculated risk, thinking that it would give you an in with the vampires to figure out this case. And Sam immediately is like, are you serious you think I would risk my own brother what's wrong with you like how could you even think such a thing you're clearly the one who's messed in the head oh Sam and for all of Samuel's faults for all the terrible reasons that he got himself into this circumstance in the first place his deal with Crowley his willingness in a later episode to execute Sam and Dean in the name of protecting his deal to bring Mary back eventually. He is willing to kill her sons to bring her back. For all of that, congrats to Samuel for knowing that there is something seriously fucked up with Sam. He does not know real Sam. If he did, he would feel very differently about the guy. (laughs) Probably be a hell of a lot less willing to murder them in cold blood. Meanwhile, at the vamp nest, which is the same creepy alleyway we saw earlier in the cold open the girl was brought, Dean's rigged up a little catch on the door to hold it open when two other vampires leave. As Dean sneaks his way in, he's taken by surprise by, again, the guy from the cold open who greets him like, oh, hey, what's up? You're the guy Boris churned. This guy'd been set to wait for Dean and basically give him the tour of the place. Robert tells Dean, oh, you must be starving. And Dean's like, uh. And they've got giant coolers filled with bags of blood. He offers one to Dean and Dean's like, oh, no, no, no. I I killed my way over here. But it's incredibly tempting and poor Dean is like a starving man having to turn away a buffet. The other vampire warns Dean that, you know, they're not supposed to kill people. They've got their blood. They're supposed to drink it out of the bags because they don't want to leave a trail of bodies around town. And the other vampire is apparently so new that he's never actually killed anyone himself. He wants Dean to tell him what it's like to kill people. And I think that's kind of hilarious because Dean's never eaten anybody, but boy, he sure has killed an awful lot. Mostly monsters. And Dean's like, well, first chance I get, I'll show you myself. Like, yeah, first chance he gets, he's going to kill his way out of here. Meanwhile, Dean has to watch this guy drink down this bag of blood and still resist. He is not having a good time. As they go downstairs, they walk past several thuggy looking vampires and Robert tells Dean oh don't worry about them they're just jealous because the recruiters get to bang all the chicks apparently Dean's been recruited to be a recruiter not muscle not a thug in the main room of this building there's cages along the sides where people are just sort of milling about as the vampire that turned Dean is leaning over the shoulder of the girl who got recruited and turned in the cold open is typing away writing poetry that he's dictating to her, luring in more potential victims. Even though she's now a vampire, she does not look too happy about being there, or what she got herself roped into. She walks past Dean to go get some more blood, And she gives him a look like, you're just going to become one of them. But Boris, the vampire that turned Dean, straightens his jacket and walks over and is like, thank goodness, I thought a hunter would have chopped your pretty head. I guess he hadn't expected Dean to take as long as he did getting there. Dean's like, oh no, I got away. And then he asks Boris, what's a hunter? And Boris laughs and you'll see if he gets here. You'll see him inside out. And then he just laughs again. Horace asks Dean if he's eaten because he's going to need his strength. Makes Dean guess how old he is. Dean's off by 600 years. These are the best days in the last 600 years to be a vampire. The modern interpretation of a vampire is basically Twilight. And girls just eat it up and they'll walk into it willingly. And Dean's job is to just bring them home. Dean asks why they're in cages and it's like just until they're compliant then eventually the girls will go out fetch him boys just like dean and around and around we go just building up his vampire family to levels that he's never been able to in history and i think it's very interesting that dean didn't get recruited in by a woman but by a series of dudes and dean's like pretty efficient plan is that all your idea And Boris is like, oh, no, 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 I just make it happen. It's all our father's idea. And they both look up towards the ceiling and the bright light behind the stained glass. And it's not God. It's the alpha vampire that Samuel and Sam have apparently been looking for for a while now. Which is why Samuel had Sam gone this case in the first place, hoping that it would lead them to the alpha vampire. Boris leans in real close to Dean and asks him if he wants the private tour. And Dean's like, I thought you'd never ask. And he's half terrified because this is a vampire who he's here to kill. And if he finds that out, the vampire is going to kill him. And he's got no backup. You know, he's there on his own. And he's got to be very strategic about this because Boris doesn't kill him. There's like 40 other vampires in this building who also want to kill him. So Dean starts following Boris out of the room, pulls out the syringe of dead man's blood, is about to sneak up behind Boris, when one single drop of blood drips out, hits the floor, alerting Boris with his super vampire senses, and almost blows the whole deal. Boris wrestles Dean around, gets him in a headlock, forces him to drop the syringe of dead man's blood and he seems to really be enjoying it until he's taken over by the whispery sounds of not quite what it sounds like when we hear angel magic or angel radio taking place but akin to that vampire version the lights on the ceiling above them he sees them as getting brighter and blurrier and then boris releases dean and then passes out and dean's looking around going like what the hell what the hell just happened he doesn't even have time to capitalize on his good fortune getting a weapon out calling sam and samuel to let them know whatever he was about to do he looks around and all the other vampires one by one are dropping to the ground and then dean himself drops to the ground they are being given some sort of weird vision a man sitting on a bench drops of blood Flashes of all kinds of things, including maps and little vampire girls and a little vampire tea party and what seems like weird random stuff. It seems like some sort of instructions from what we know as the Alpha Vampire. And before Dean even has a chance to make sense of any of it, he's regaining consciousness again. But so are all the other vampires. Dean realizes that Boris is releasing all the other vampires who'd been in the cages and other vampires are coming down the stairs and Dean takes advantage of the chaos and just starts killing them. Dean finally gets to show Robert what it's like to kill (laughs) when he beheads Robert. All the other vampires have been ordered to attack Dean and we cut away on a scene of him beginning to slaughter the advancing masses of vampires outside on the street where baby was parked sam and samuel pull up samuel says this must be the place and sam's like shh he heard something and then a vampire comes crashing down on the roof of the van and smashes the window and starts attacking them meanwhile back inside dean is still fighting and slaughtering and Sam managed to kill the vampire outside, and they realized their cover is blown anyway, so they just decide to go inside, where Dean was making quick work of all the vampires. At this point, Dean inside has figured out what some of his powers are as a vampire, and instead of taking the stairs like a normal person, he just jumps off the balcony railing and lands gracefully on his feet at the bottom, and I appreciate that. I appreciate the reminder that Dean is an athletic guy, but oh boy, with superpowers? (laughs) The only vampires left alive in there are now Dean and Boris. And from somewhere in the shadows, Boris doesn't look as happy as he did before. But he still tells Dean, you've stopped nothing. This is bigger than us. It's not just him. And Dean knows it now. He saw that vision too, even if he doesn't fully understand it. Boris comes out of the shadows, beckons Dean over, and we don't unfortunately get to see that fight, but I can't imagine it lasts very long. Meanwhile, back upstairs, Sam and Samuel are making their way into the building through the carnage that Dean has left. Samuel is both impressed and a little unsettled and is like, uh, looks like your brother has some Campbell in him after all. We see Samuel and Sam come to the balcony overlooking where Dean is sitting. And Sam asks, are you okay? And Dean's like, yeah, I'm good. And the camera pans down and we see Dean's foot is resting on Boris's severed head. Back at the motel, Samuel starts mixing up the potion, warning Dean that it's not going to be fun. Dean looks like he's truly suffering now. He still has not fed and it's been hours, and he is holding out longer than any other vampire we've ever seen on the show. And meanwhile, Sam isn't even thinking that, or doesn't care, and he's just, like, asking Dean, what was it like in there? Interrogating Dean, like, what did you see in the nest? Dean's like, shut up, I can't even deal with you right now. All I can hear is your blood pumping, and you're pushing me for details? Dean just chugs down the cure, And for a few seconds, he doesn't think anything's happening. And then all of a sudden, he just turns around and just starts puking. And Sam's like, "Is it working? And Samuel's like, well, either that or it's killing him. He draws a knife anyways, just in case. And Dean, as he's being cured, relives everything that happened to him in reverse. From killing Boris, to the vision he saw, to when he first got to the vampire nest flinging ben across the room scaring lisa being repelled by the lamp all the way back to the alleyway where he was first turned and he saw sam out the corner of his eye and sam hesitated not only that sam seemed pleased and the image flashes to negative and it just looks creepy And that's the last thing Dean gets in his vision before his eyes open and he's technically cured. There's like a police siren out the window and it sounds normal again. The lights all seem normal again. Samuel said that that cure would be a terrible experience. And I think the worst of it was probably having to relive that moment watching Sam's face as Dean got turned. Sam helps him sit up and pats him on the back, like, congratulating him on surviving that, and Dean is unsettled. He does not trust Sam at all, and he's kind of afraid of what it all means. The next morning, as they're all getting ready to go, Dean's coming out of the bathroom with his shower kit, and he looks a little bit stunned and, like, can't really believe he's all back to normal, and Sam finally calls back to him like, hey, what'd you see in the nest? What'd you see? Dean's still processing all of what happened and he's like, I'm still trying to work through it, but they're not making this plan up. They're getting these as orders from somebody at the top. Dean doesn't really understand how, but he thinks the alpha sends everybody psychic messages letting them know like where to go next. Aurora, Illinois was the next spot, but obviously they're not going there now. (laughs) They're all dead. Imagine the inconvenience of if the alpha vampire had sent them all that subconscious message when one of them was driving a car or like in the middle of something that would have been a dangerous place, like crossing the street, just drop down dead in traffic. Okay. (laughs) I'm sure that would have been great. Hopefully he's like at least got some sort of inkling that they're all like in a safe place before he drops them. Or does he even care? He probably cares a little. Sam asked what the Alpha told him. And Dean's like, recruitment drive. The Alpha is building an army. But the worst thing that Dean found out was that hunters do not scare them anymore. And we know that they're all scared of something far worse than hunters. And that's what Crowley might do to them if they're captured. Out at the car, Dean's packing up the trunk, but he's also trying to call Lisa She's not answering his calls, though, and he can't even bring himself to leave her a message apologizing for any of that. He has no idea what to say. He wasn't expecting to survive this long to be able to make amends for what he did, and now he really just can't find the words, and she's not ready to listen to them either. Sam comes out and asks how it went with Lisa, and Dean's like, it didn't. Sam says he's sorry. And Dean's like, yeah, at least I can always count on you. I know you've always got my back, right, Sammy? And Sam looks at him like, oh, what do you mean, Dean? Of course. And it rings completely hollow for Dean. We pan up through the spiky cast iron fence with the barbed razor wire at the top as Dean pulls away. And that's where the episode ends. With Dean absolutely not trusting Sam at all. And not really having any answers about anything. We know the monsters are stirred up. They're taking orders from their alphas who are no longer afraid of hunters. But something is prompting them to vastly increase their numbers. To build an army. They're not afraid of being outed. They're acting in ways they never have before. For some reason that must be important. And they have no idea what it is. And yeah, we knew last week we had a Lamia and an Okami who were never seen outside of Greece or Japan, respectively. And yet there they were in the Midwest. And we've had other creatures from Jin in the opening episode of the season to shapeshifters, all sort of targeting them and trying to do things that increase their numbers. Why the sudden rush to change across monster species how everything has been balanced for as long as anybody knows and of course we know it's because Cass and Crowley are messing with the natural order of things and blah 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 but we know none of that yet we know it has to do with the souls though and Sam's complete lack of one that Dean is now made priority one figuring out what on earth is wrong with Sam he's wondering if he's got Satan riding as his co-pilot Because he knows, for one, it's definitely not Sam. Or not the Sam he's always known. Poor Sam's been able to kind of hide it for most of a year. And I think that's why he avoided Bobby for as long as he did, in addition to avoiding Dean. And he'd just been running with the Campbells, who didn't really know him before. And wouldn't notice the change that had come over him. And he could pretend to just be this sort of more calculating person than anyone who actually knows Sam could believe he was. Because Samuel never knew the real Sam. Bobby knew the real Sam. And if Bobby had spent as much time with Sam as Dean has been spending with him recently, Bobby would have noticed too. And Bobby will notice. (laughs) Unfortunately, in the worst possible way, a few episodes down the line. First, we've got some other terrible stuff that's got to happen to them. Namely, somebody needs to start telling Dean the damn truth about stuff. And considering next week's episode focuses on the goddess Veritas, goddess of truth, Dean's gonna start getting brutalized by the truth right quick. And, I mean, there's not a lot of, like, deep secret hidden meaning in here. There's all the vampire references that have long been used as a metaphor for queerness, for otherness walking among us, and the fear of that in some people, or the embrace of it by others. In this case, all the girls who were totally thrilled to throw themselves at men they believed were vampires because it fit their fantasy of what that would mean. And yet Dean, he couldn't let himself give into it. Because of course he couldn't, because he still has a mission to carry on. He still has a job to do. And obviously, he doesn't want to be a vampire, specifically. <laughs> I think he enjoys, you know, being able to walk in the sun. Anyway, until next week, you can find me on Tumblr at spngeorge or at mittensmorgal. You can find me on Discord at mittens hashtag 4865 They still haven't changed the Discord handles as of the day that I'm recording this, but I keep expecting it to be soon. Or you can email me at mittensmorgle at gmail.com. And I look forward to talking to everybody again real soon. And I'm sorry, I don't really have much more to say. I feel like I should. I feel like there's subtext and, you know, there's queer subtext a lot in vampire stories, especially when Dean is the vampire. And is getting hit on by the dude vampire who turned him and like got called pretty and like seduced into it. But I think everybody kinda gets that, because it's not really hidden subtext here. <laughs> There's nothing hidden or subtextual about any of this. It's just right out there and for everybody to see with their eyes. So, I mean, especially on a rewatch when you already know what goes on as the season progresses. It's like, okay. It's just kind of feel like I'm just holding everybody's hand and reminding everybody what happens later on and that's like all I can do during season six because I probably will go into a lot more depth about season six when we get to season 12 though because season 12 is sort of like season six inside out which I find amusing for really bizarre reasons which I'll get to when we get to season 12 anyway have a good one everyone